talk a lot to customers, right? Uh, it's a journey and uh, it's a lot of fun. And the key thing is to try to talk to a lot of customers and find a problem that you're excited about and that you can focus in on and iterate on it. C come back until they're willing to start cut checks and they say, I need this, and then dive even deeper. Um, I've seen, and I've done this myself, um, where you get too excited about an idea and you do a lot of engineering around it and you think you're building the coolest thing in the world and it's a matter of building it and then everyone is gonna pay for it. And what I found is that you need to figure out how to build the smallest possible thing you can that someone's gonna pay for or use that to learn what they really want and uh, keep keep pivoting until you, you get there and then go really deep and, and own that problem. Be the world's expert on uh, that particular problem for customers in the Salesforce space. What's happening, gang? This is your host, Ankit, and you're listening to the Forcepreneur podcast. This episode is part of the PDO series. You all know about ISVs and SI partners, but how much do you really know about product development outsourcers? I, for one, came to know about them in 2019, and I've been in the ecosystem for almost 10 years. When I think of PDOs, I think of them as king makers rather than the heroes of the story. They usually do all the behind the scenes stuff. So in this series, we will try to uncover who are the people behind these PDOs, what do they do, and what should you do in case you want to start your own shop. So there's not really much that I can say about my guest today because, as I mentioned in the intro, he truly is a real kingmaker. That means he loves to be behind the scenes and he's not that in the public eye. What I can say is that he has held many different positions, many leadership positions and at different IT companies in, from the 90s and to the late 2000s until he started his own company, Epiphany. Fun fact, did you know that who did Slack go to when they wanted to create a Salesforce app? Well, you guessed it right. They went to Epiphany. So without any further ado, let's welcome founder and CEO of Epiphany. Hello, George. How are you doing today? Hey, Ankit. Pleasure. Excited to be here with you today. Thank you. So this is a very exciting episode because I personally uh, came to know about PDOs like two years ago. So I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem since 2011, 2012, but um, I know ISV and I knew the SI part, but this PDO part is pretty new. Correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, it's not that new, to be honest with you. Um, it started back in uh, 2011. Um, so we actually became a, we started doing PDO work in 2009. Um, a wow. few years prior to that, um, I had launched one of the first OEM apps. It was called My Loan Biz. And um, we, we launched that uh, when the OEM program started. We were one of three companies that were participating in that. Uh, and from there, we uh, you know, had some success, got to about 100 customers in the first year. But then Salesforce started sending other partners to us saying, can you share some of the knowledge that you've gained building your app? We started helping them. They started cutting checks. We're like, wow, we're making more money doing this. And so uh, we started doing PDO work before we knew it. And then in 2011, um, someone by the name of Ash Shukla, who is a, a sales engineer now and is still at Salesforce, reached out and said, we want to start an official PDO program. Do you want to be one of the founding members of that? Nice. So please tell us, what is the PDO program and how does it all work? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think everyone's familiar with SIs and they help Salesforce um, customers implement and build out custom apps internally. PDOs focus on helping people 
build products um, to launch on the app exchange. And so uh, we um, have a little bit of a different lens and we work with some different tools than you know, a, a typical SI might work with. So we're um, thinking about product management all the time, right? So we come with the product management perspective and we help people conceptualize what they wanna build, architect it, design it, uh, build it out, uh, make sure it's thoroughly tested, ready to go, and go through security review. And there's uh, a number of tools that we need to help train them on, things like um, the license management app, so they can manage the licenses of their app, uh, something called COA, so they can uh, submit um, what they've sold to Salesforce, uh, so Salesforce knows how to properly uh, build them for their what's called PNR. And um, yeah, and then we also help them on the go-to-market, which is a real critical step, right? Uh, it's not just building the app, but how do you get it to market? Make sure people are aware of it. You create a great app exchange listing, make sure it's attractive and, and gets, gets people to set up trials and, and ultimately purchase your product. Nice. Yeah, I know about go-to-market, like we were just talking about this product market fit and um, all of that stuff. So let me get it right. So PDO is basically, let's say I am a company and I want to have an app on the app exchange, but I don't have any in-house expertise on Salesforce. Maybe I, I'm using Salesforce, you know, there's a sales cloud or service cloud. So I would come to you, let's say I'm Coca-Cola, I would come to you and then you would build me an app, which I can then launch on the app exchange. That is absolutely correct. And, and that's the main reason that people come, come to us. A lot of the companies we work with are existing software companies, uh, but they just don't have Apex and Lightning expertise in-house. They typically have some kind of a, a deadline. They maybe have an event um, that they want to be able to hit. And so uh, we help accelerate them getting their product to, to market. Can you give me an example of any of your customers, like a published case study or something that you did, which is not like confidential? Anything can you tell us? Like, what did you do? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we helped build Slack's app. Um, that was um, recently shown when um, Mark at Dreamforce uh, announced the acquisition and they, they showed the Slack app. That was an app that um, Salesforce introduced us to Slack. And we went wow. ahead and worked with them really closely and we built that app out. So Slack came to you and Slack said, I need an app for the app exchange. And you were like, cool, let's go ahead and do it. And then you build it for them. Yep. Um, at that time, uh, they flew out to our offices in Chicago. It, it was great. Uh, we got to sit down with um, their head of product and their engineers. And we wow. uh, spent a few days together architecting it out and then collaborated um, over Slack and uh, a lot of uh, yeah Google Meets uh, to get the app built out. Yeah. Okay. And just correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I have a lot of curious questions uh, in terms to this. It You don't make app specifically for ISV that it cannot be like, for example, I um, also need an app so I can come to you. But if I have a bucket load of cash, I come to you and I say, hey, George, or hey, Appfini, can you please make me an app? And then I take that app and then I become an ISV. That has also happened? Yeah. I mean, so a big part of what we do is not just help people build the app and get it to market, but also help them become an ISV, right? So what happens is they reach out to Salesforce typically and start working with a group called the ISV team. ISV stands for Independent Software Vendor. And one of the first thing that team will say is um, you need to go engage a PDO. And the reason for that is um, it, it is a complicated process. There's a lot of nuance just even building, you know, any kind of a application on Salesforce, but when you have to go through a security review, um, it can take a long time. So 
the ISV team knows whether you know it's us or one of the other great PDOs out there. Um, there's a higher probability that someone is going to have success if they have an expert showing them the way. And it, it is a process. You have to they have to fill out a something that's like a business plan with Salesforce. There's some compliance things they need to fill out. Um, they need to get signed up on the partner community. We walk them through all that, make sure that that all happens. Nice. How big is your team? And uh, I, I see that you are in the Chicago area. Um, how are you spread out? Are you global? Um, we, we are all 100% in Chicago. Uh, we're, we're 32 uh, folks. We're all here. And, and the reason for that is uh, one of the things that I recognized early on is when I was together with other people uh, in the office every single day and I could grab a marker, draw something out on a whiteboard, um, be excited about an idea, go go down the street to the pub and uh, uh, you know have some lunch, maybe grab a beer, keep talking about it. The work was just better. We, um, designers, developers, QA, all talking about it in the same space made a huge difference. Right, right. Don't get me wrong. I am also a big fan of going to the office. I'm in, I work as a freelancer and pre, I also work with clients which are not in Berlin, but there's a co-working space. And I like having this, I used to like having the structure of getting up, you know, get taking my shower and then like going to the co-working space because then it's like co-working, like office and home. And then the both of two are separated. It's it's different for different people, and I have nothing against people who can be productive at home office. I have nothing against them. I rather envy them because I, when I'm at home, then I'm at home, man. Then it's like, hey, you know, you know, here's my couch, and I'm chilling. I have nothing against. Uh, I love office. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's different for everybody, but for for us, that worked really well. I particularly enjoyed it, and so that's what I wanted to build a culture around. Right. So you've been the founder. Are you a sole founder? You started yourself. Uh, I started it and then uh, I hired my uh, first developer, uh, Les Kitzmartoni. So uh, he was one of the founders and helped get it going. And then we layered on other great folks. Um, right now, um, you know, uh, Michael Blazik is our chief architect and, um, you know, it's been my right hand person for a number of years and helps make everything happen at, at Epiphany. And we've just, yeah, I've got a bunch of other great people around us that have been there for a long time. Right. So 32 teams seem to be very lean and mean. How has your growth been so far? And um, do you still have ongoing business? Like once an app is made and kind of goes to the market and, you know, is it then done because then the ISV can kind of have someone in-house or do you also offer like after release support? We do offer after release support. So launching a product, there's this unique cadence um, to it. And I'll talk about that, but the, the one thing I, I tell all the ISV, uh, prospective ISVs that come to us is that um, you're, you're basically birthing a child in, into the world. This is not like something that, that you just do and then it's like you can put it on the shelf and for the next five years people come and ask you, can I have that product? And you pull it off the shelf and you hand it to them. Salesforce is doing three releases a year, right? They're innovating at an incredible pace. You're building an app at a point in time on top of that and you need to keep innovating it as well. No one launches an MVP and gets it perfect. So, right. so the cadence typically is that we build an app for them, then basically they're in a pilot phase. They're gonna go give it to four or five customers. They're gonna install it. Um, they're gonna learn things. And when they go into that stage, um, we offer a maintenance program. So we can stay in their lives for up to a year. We basically do annual contracts and if they have problems implementing something because they install it in an org with a ton of triggers and it's very complex, 
and they don't have the expertise, they can reach out to us. Um, or if there's a, a bug because a new release ha happened at Salesforce and it broke something. And then what typically happens is they come back to us in six to nine months and say, hey, we, we've learned um, things, we wanna do a second release. And then they just engage us on a, a new SOW for that. Nice. So these customers who come to you, do they already have like an existing market? Like Slack already had an existing market, but usually they already have an existing market. Like it's not a brand new product, which nobody knows about, or has that also been the case? So we've done both. When we first started, uh, there was a lot of folks that were looking to build brand new products on the platform or had built something on maybe .NET and we're looking to, or Java, or we're looking to migrate it into the cloud and we're picking Salesforce as a platform. One of the trends we've seen over the last four years is that um, a lot of folks have just gone and built apps and are having success, um, you know, running their apps on AWS or Azure or Google Cloud. And they have customers, but the customers are telling them that they also use Salesforce and they don't want to flip between Salesforce and their app. They want their app integrated. So uh, they call that a composite app and versus um, maybe a, a native app. And we have uh, decided to focus on composite apps. They have some really unique challenges, um, authenticating between the two systems, mapping data between them. And we really like those engineering problems and they're also design problems. And so we've just dug really deep and focused on being the best at that. Right. So. George, what are composite apps? Because you mentioned composite a bunch of times. If I understand correctly, composite means uh, the customer already has an existing app and you build an app which kind of plugs into that, but also into your Salesforce system? Or is it a standalone app? No, uh, so that's a good question. Um, so a, a composite app is, is like you described it, right? It's going to be a managed package, which is Salesforce considers an app that gets installed into a Salesforce environment, but it's going to interact with the APIs of another service, right? So right. it could be Stripe, Slack, SurveyMonkey, right? You're, you're bringing that functionality into Salesforce um, and there'll be call outs to that, to that API. There's data moving back and forth and there's likely some UI components that might've been in that um, initial app, but now get replicated inside of Salesforce and be dragged onto something like an account or an opportunity lighting page versus native, which is, it's 100% on Salesforce. Right. So how long does it take usually from ideation to, let's say, the first release? And what is the process that happens during that? Yeah, that's a good question. So often uh, customers reach out to us, say they want to build an app. And the really the first step is us uh, educating them on what does it mean to build an app on the platform? They have a lot of questions uh, because it's, it's all brand new to them. Um, we really focus on understanding the problem that they're trying to address. Um, what are the personas? Uh, we educate them on some personas they're not aware of. We care a lot about the Salesforce admin. Our goal always is to create the best possible experience from when they find out about that app to installing it. We always want to go for a five-minute install. So we've invested a lot of time in what we call our setup assistant. And uh, then we talk about the other personas. Obviously, their, their sales, their service, it could be marketing and we break down the use cases, and then we start conceptualizing where can this partner's data um, and the functionality they wanna bring into Salesforce hang off of existing Salesforce? Is it, should it be on the account? Should it be on the contact? Do we need to build it in a way that it works for um, basic sales cloud and financial service cloud at the same time in one package? So we go through all that with them, and then they uh, we present you know, our proposal to them, and then if they hire us, 
then we go into a design phase where we're designing out their app. One of the things that we do is we will stand up a Salesforce environment and we build out um, using Lightning components, all the HTML and CSS and some JavaScript to fake the interaction of what their app is gonna look like. And often we can do that in a week or two. And nice. so like the customers hired us and within maybe, you know, just a little bit around a week, they're on a call with us and we're clicking through and it's down to the pixel. They're like, this is what your app is gonna look like. And then we can iterate from there and then we'll assign, you know, the engineer to go and um, write all the, the Apex code and make the lightning components fully, fully work. So um, that's kind of the, the front end part of our process. Then obviously QA is a really critical step um, of that. And then we do packaging and uh, do a lot of preparation for security review and, and submit to security review. And then we, we kind of manage the app all through that until it's, it's signed off on by Salesforce. So give me a timeline. Is it like six months, nine months, a year, or even less? Our typical project from when we kick off to when we hand it up um, into the security review is six weeks. What? Um, wow. Yeah, six weeks. Yeah. Um, we've wow. built about 100 apps in just the last three years. And so nice. uh, we have a very integrated team and um, they love the variety, right? One day uh, or one six months spread, they might be working on um, you know, financial services app. And then the next six weeks, they're working on a healthcare app. Uh, so they, they really enjoy being able to work on the same technology, but be able to cross a lot of different industries. Right. So I'll ask you, how has your growth been so far? And if you can share some numbers for the listeners to know, like, is it a profitable business? Because, you know, as I mentioned, Forcepreneur is about entrepreneurship and how you can start a business. You know, I'm starting one, as we talked about before, Skillproof. So, yeah, how's your growth been so far? Is And my favorite quote is, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> it, it's, it's worth the squeeze. Um, you know, I, I'm really proud that we've been able to grow organically, uh, right? So we started with just myself and then I hired our first developer and grew it from there. Every year we've added four or five people. Um, yeah, like I was saying, we're about 32 people now and um, we're about 7 million plus in revenue from last year. And we're growing this year. Um, you know, We're on target to be above that. And uh, it's been a great uh, experience growing the business and cultivating the team. So that's like more than 10 to 15% growth year on year, if I'm correct? Like from the numbers, yes. from the people? Yeah. Right. We've had some up years, some down years. We've we've pivoted in until we really found what I would consider our product market fit, which is, is building composite apps. Right. So if you can, um, you also worked on the work.com, right? For Salesforce, like recently during the COVID times, like I realized because I wanted to do this interview last year and then you were like, hey, I'm really busy with work.com. What was that like? Yeah, that was a... Uh, stressful and an exciting time, right? I, I think I've talked a bit about how important working together was. So uh, we called it a bit early as a company. And as uh, soon as we saw what was happening with the pandemic, we're like, okay, we know how to work with our customers over Google Meet and Slack. Uh, we're gonna work ourselves over Google Meet and Slack and no one come to the office anymore. And then um, we basically were staring at, you know, what was, uh, 2020 and saying, what is going to happen this year? Like we had goals. Are we going to be able to hit these? Are customers going to disappear? Um, it was very concerning. And just about that time, um, Salesforce was probably about what, six, eight weeks into the pandemic, they reached out to us and said, listen, um, 
we've we've had our heads down since we you know understood what was going on. We want to build this app called work.com. Uh, we're not done with it. We're literally in the middle of building it. Um, but we want to have three launch partners. Uh, they basically said, we need you to um, uh, plug someone into our product team, uh, understand what's being built, and start huddling with these launch partners and start teaching them how to build on this thing that we're not done building yet. And so uh, we work with uh, Traction Guest, Fusion Risk Management, and Compliance Quest, all incredible companies. And um, we were they're in between Salesforce, um, you know, and their their development team teaching them work.com. And then once that was done, uh, it was pretty neat because um, we got to learn work.com. Like the first thing that we did, we said, if we need to teach these folks how to build on work.com, we need to go build a reference app ourselves. Absolutely. So we came up with a mock app, right? Um, we made an app that basically the premise was you're going to have maintenance teams that need to uh, clean different floors in a building and you want to be able to track which floors were cleaned and they should all be cleaned every 24 hours. So we wrote the app up, we put in a Git repo, we published it, we documented how we built it and architected it. And then we used that as a way to, to teach not only those folks, but uh, we did a lot of internal training and uh, I wrote a blog post on it and we trained a lot of folks in the community about like, you know, here are the different things you need to think about when you're building a work.com app. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think that's a lot of good information about PDO. So I certainly didn't know much about the PDO market from that, you know, and now I have at least an inkling. Hello, dear listeners. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this and all other episodes. I really appreciate it. As I mentioned before, we are looking for a sponsor now. So here is some information about how Forcepreneur can help you promote your product or services. Forcepreneur is Salesforce's first and only podcast focused on the business side of Salesforce ecosystem. We love the Salesforce technology, but we also love the economics of running a company. In the first year, I just interviewed founders. This year, I have started doing mini-series which focus on certain type or aspect of running a company, such as what does an ISV do or what is operations. Since we are not bound to a job role, our listeners include everyone. I mean developers, admin, consultant, analyst, architects, and of course, founders of Salesforce companies. We average around 1000 listens per month. Majority of our plays come from United States, followed by Germany slash EMEA. But we have listeners all across the globe, including Africa, to my surprise. There's also a problem in the ecosystem, hidden barriers, lack of female and non-binary representation. To overcome this, at least half of our episodes are from non-straight males, those that have particularly overcome the odds and can help broaden our perspective. By advertising with us, you support diversity and entrepreneurship in the ecosystem. So if you or your company or your employer have an app or a product or a service that you think can benefit with a little more reach, then I would urge you to get in contact with us. So go to forcepreneur.com forward slash sponsor to learn more about how we can help you promote your product or service and get in touch with us for more information. Thank you. And now enjoy the rest of the episode.
So let's move a little bit more to the entrepreneurship side. So you seem to be very technically savvy. Like I heard HTML, CSS, JavaScript, GitHub. Are you technical yourself? Did you used to code? Uh, I've dabbled in code. I don't have a CS background. I I've always loved technology. Um, I was the, the kid in our household that knew how to set the VCR um, timer. I just, I'm always one of those folks that will push a lot of buttons and figure out how something works. And uh, I actually started off in technology sales at a company called Platinum Technology out of school. And I was the one sales guys that was always reading the manuals on the plane. Um, you know, we created like uh, tools to monitor networks and databases. And I, I just found it all fascinating. So um, I, I understand it very deeply. I read up on it a lot, but uh, I don't actually put my fingertips uh, to write code very often. Interesting. But, uh, I know how to admin Salesforce. I've done a lot of administration. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, also as an entrepreneur, as a founder, like for Skillproof, I made the POC and I'm technical, but I made the POC because I wanted to, first of all, see if the idea is going to work or not. And secondly, I wanted to know later on what my team is doing. Like I always want to be in touch with, you know, like what are my people doing and what is actually my company doing? So that leads to my next question as the CEO, like you're kind of the captain of the ship. So how, what's your day like? What's your week like? Uh, how much of it is people management? How much of, you just said that you wrote a blog post, how much of it is marketing? Like how does your whole day or week look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, at Epiphany, uh, we've really tried to design a, a week where everyone can have a, a mission. So on, on a Monday morning, uh, I meet with my, with the core team, um, our, our release coordinators that are managing all the teams, and then all, all of the, the heads of e each department. And we go through every single project uh, to see what is the, the key things we need to accomplish. What are the goals on each project and what are the blockers? Uh, we also have every employee log feedback as to, um, you know, they're feeling great about the project they're on or they're concerned on the previous week. And we look at every single one of those. That's our canary in the coal mine. So if we ha see a team that's saying they're concerned, uh, then we're going to dive in, understand what that is, see what's blocking them, and we're going to unblock them. Uh, after that meeting, um, and we've, we've built all this in Salesforce communities. So uh, we're typing all this in, and then I get on a call for 15 minutes with the entire company, and I say, I run through all the projects and I'm like, here's what we're going to do. We've got these nine projects we're working on and I go through each one and say, here's the goal, here's the goal. So the whole company always knows what we're working on and what the goal is for the week. Then all those teams huddle by themselves and their uh, release coordinators uh, dive in deep on those goals and talk about how the team is going to achieve it. Uh, I want people to have the mindset that it's a team goal. And so they might finish their piece of work, but if they finish early, they should be helping someone else on the team finish theirs. And then throughout the week, uh, I'm talking to customers. I do a lot of one-on-ones with our employees. We're very religious about that. Uh, I think it's just important that there's constant communication. And then at the end of the week, uh, on a, fr a Fridays uh, at um, 4.45, we all get on um, a call together. We sit in the office and we talk about the accomplishments for the week. Sometimes we'll show a demo so the whole company can see something we delivered to a customer that we're all really proud of. And then we typically call out folks that um, have gone above and beyond and give them recognition for that. And it's just, it's kind of a nice cadence. It's, you know, a start and an end to the week and everyone feels like they accomplished something. Right, right. So that 
you know, if you finish work before your team, that's a little bit like Boy Scout. So, you know, everybody goes together, like nobody's left behind, something of that sort. Yes, absolutely. Um, when I'm interviewing folks, um, they're often, or at least the ones that we like to hire, are like, it's not just about, I want to go build cool tech. It's like, I want to be part of something. I want to work with other people. I want to be part of a team. And uh, we very much focus on being a professional sports team. Like that's really our perspective. Uh, when you're on a professional sports team, everyone's been hired to fill a role and they're expected to execute it at a very high level. And so um, that's kind of the mentality that we have. And uh, you know, people pull each other up, but you've, you've got to be in it to win it. We work a solid 40 hours. I want people to have a good uh, life balance outside of work. We don't want to burn people out. We want folks here for a long time. And so um, you, you start on Monday, put your head down, plug, plug away hard, and then you know the nights and weekends are yours. So it's a good cadence. Right. But this is, let's say more about the team. What about yourself? Like, you know, as a business owner, like that's something that I want to learn. How do you split your time between, for example, I interviewed Chuck a little from Valence. I don't know if you know him, Chuck. Yes, he's also yeah. a very technical person. And he said on Wednesdays, he's not doing any interviews, no email responses, nothing on Wednesday. Like Wednesday, it's just pure product, pure tech. He's not engaging in anything that's like and i personally like thursdays is podcast for me it's just religious like it's thursday so have you do you have certain rules around those like how do you manage your time yeah that's a good question uh i start every day about 6 a.m uh grab a cup of coffee and uh, the first thing i i tend to do is uh i open up my trello board uh and the the first thing i have like you know an auto card that pops up and it says uh plan your day and so I take a look at the calendar. I see what I've got going on. I look at the tasks that I didn't get done from the day before. I, I follow like a, a getting things done methodology using Trello. And uh, I, I really map out the day. Then I, I get to inbox zero. I'll go into my inbox, clear all of that out. And by the time I get through all that, um, I might have maybe an hour left to go do um, like write a blog post, um, you know, uh, put a presentation together for, for something critical that we're doing. Uh, we also have a product that we launched called Drive Connect. That's a Salesforce Google Drive integration. Uh, I, I do a lot of like product management work related to that. That's my passion. And uh, then at nine o'clock, uh, I meet with kind of the core team that's driving sales and, and architecture. And we will always spend an hour every single day together talking about all the customers that we're currently uh, in the process of, of selling to, proposing to, and then all the existing projects we've got going on. If there's some kind of a, a critical issue that pops up, we're going to deal with it in that first hour of the day. And then from there, yeah, it's, it's whatever I've got scheduled. Yeah. Right. But you, um, and you also, so basically you also participate in marketing and also project acquisition, or oh, let me rephrase it. Like in the Salesforce ecosystem, what I've learned and what I've also seen, it's very important to have good relationships with Salesforce or the AEs, be it an SI, be it an ISV, because, you know, they are the ones basically selling it to the customer. And if you have a good relationship with them and plus your product needs to be good. I mean, both cases, right? You know, if you have a shit product then nobody is going to recommend it. So if you need to have, you need to have a good product. Um, how much of your time is also spent in, you know, nurturing those relationships and ensuring like, you know, when there's a need for work.com or do you think you have already established Epiphany as, you know, one of the leaders and, and you don't need to do that anymore? No, I, I would say a good part of my week is on the phone um, with various folks at Salesforce, whether it's on the ISV team, um, talking to partner account managers or TEs, or it's talking with different product folks. 
Um, we're very fortunate. We got into the PDO game early, and just because of the experience we've had with a lot of partners, we've been able to become a trusted partner. So often when Salesforce is launching some kind of a new product, uh, they'll, they'll reach out to us and say, hey, you know, give us your, the partner lens. How are partners gonna think about this? Um, you know, how should we talk to them about these different things? So in general, I just try to run around and help as much as I can all over Salesforce, um, give, give my advice. Um, you know, I'm excited that they'll take it and that usually comes back. I just find that the more you help folks, the, the more it comes back in a positive way. Like it's like a karma, you know, you know what goes around comes around. Absolutely. Right? So, and how involved, like pre-pandemic, how involved were you in the local groups? Like I know Chicago has a very local Ohana, like, you know, the developer groups and the admin groups. Do you sponsor events? Do you, have you gained employees? Like for the listeners and, you know, for to-be entrepreneurs or for forcepreneurs, how important it is to be part of that local ecosystem? Yeah, I, I always think it, it, it's great to be part of the, the local e ecosystem. We have an, an awesome user group here in Chicago, Early on, when we we're starting Epiphany, um, we were not just doing PDO work; we we're doing SI work. I used to attend a, a lot of those meetings. Uh, as kind of time went on, I didn't have the the bandwidth to go do that. And so, um, the other thing I found is that a lot of those groups are very focused on the experience of having Salesforce, um, like and managing that within a, an organization and building apps on top of it for the organization. So it wasn't as as relevant to us as someone who was building products to the app exchange. So over time, we have not participated as much just because of what we do. Right. Maybe you can start a PDO user group because um, here I am part. Um, Andre started an ISV meetup. So he did a, like cross EMEA. And maybe you can think about doing like a PDO where PDOs can come and share knowledge with each other. So what have been your challenges running a PDO and growing these companies? As you mentioned, there were ups, but there were also downs. Can you tell us a little more about what challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, when you first start, right, uh, you're, you're just trying to get revenue to keep the doors open. So tell in the beginning, yeah, <laughs> we were... Uh, uh, we were excited about building apps and we took projects where we built apps, but then we um, also took projects where we were building internal apps, right? So do, we did more SI work versus like commercial apps that would go up on the app exchange. And, and we had a, a mix of those and we did a, a good job, uh, started building up a reputation. And then uh, we got a few really large projects where at the time our team was seven or eight people. We had one project that took us almost a year, um, wow. you know, and that helped us add more people to the team. And at, right after that, we got another project that took us almost two years. It was like, I, I wanna say 19, 20 months. We got maybe to 12 people. Um, it was great. We had very consistent revenue. We had never had anything like that. But when those projects were done, um, it had almost been like three years since I had really been able to focus and build relationships at Salesforce because I was just helping those two companies be successful and our company was, and they were like, who are you guys? Oh yeah, I think I remember you from a number of years back. Are you guys still in this business? Because you kind of get in the vacuum of just helping that one person. So that was a big lesson to me. And that was one of the reasons we switched to focusing on the composite apps, because the apps were smaller. There, You could do more of them. There were, you say, six to eight weeks, like we were saying, and you had a large customer base then. In a year, we could build 20, 30, 40, right? It built up over time apps. 
And so those customers then come back to you for other things, right? Whereas those first two big companies, we helped them build apps and then they built out their own teams and then they, they had expertise, they didn't necessarily need us anymore. So you, you really wanna think long-term about your business model. How do you create something that's sustainable and not just bringing revenue in for that, that moment? Right, so you would say that after like those two big companies and you had 13 people was there like a dry spell where you like you had folks sitting on your you know on your on your papers but you didn't have enough work yeah so we never don't have enough work we have very much an entrepreneurial niche so yeah. in those those lulls we started we said hey we should build a product and, and we started building our, our our own product while we were doing some smaller consulting work yeah nice so this PDO space is still heating up. Do you think it has reached its peak? I mean, um, I personally did not know about Epiphany until um, I knew Victor. So shout out to Victor Carrion. He's the admin and now tech lead at Ableton. And um, so I didn't know, but because again, as you said, your growth has been very organic and you are more like behind the scenes, kind of like you're kind of the king maker. So you're like, hey, you want, you go, you know, you're not like, in forefront and I have not seen, I, I, yeah, I literally didn't know about you. And then later when I Googled PDOs, then two or three, you know, names came across. So I think it's a very small space. Like it's a, it's, it's a bubble in itself. Um, what would you say? Is it like a fruitful business? Is it, are there, is there an opportunity for someone new to come in? Yeah. I always think there's, there's opportunity for, for others to join the party. Uh, what I have generally found in business is that you want to find a niche, right? Like we really focus on composite apps. We have um, competitors and I talk to their CEOs regularly. It's it's a small group. Uh, it's a, a very uh, friendly um, set of folks that are doing the PDO work. And um, they all have a slightly different approach. And what I would say is um, take a look at the Salesforce product suite. Take a look at the exact acquisitions that they're making and there are a lot of opportunities to help companies build apps. They're going to ultimately end up on the app exchange or, or one of the, the app stores that uh, you know, Salesforce has now. So uh, I would focus on a few products and figure out how do you become the experts on that and build off of that. Right. So you would still say there's still space left in the room, like, like new companies can come. It's not that yeah. crowded compared to no, what SI yet. market is like the SI market is holy moly <laughs> like at least in Berlin like you know like if there's a street like where it's just like the startup street and if you go there and you're like Salesforce SI and they're like here 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 they're like five six seven SIs over here right um since we have a, a little more time um you seem to know a lot about business because also from your experience you have learned what happens? Have you faced a situation where you didn't know the answers or you got stuck? Like, are you part of an entrepreneurial group or an organization? Whom do you go to advice to if you get stuck? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So um, I, I have a younger brother, uh, Christopher Kennessy. Uh, he's the CEO of a company called NetMotion um, out in Seattle. And uh, him and I talk regularly and he's my sounding board. And I like to think that occasionally he takes some advice from me and I'm a sounding board for him. So uh I talk to him. Um, I also talk to, um, honestly, a, a lot of the other um, PDOs. Uh, I have like a regular cadence, um, like once a month call with an, another one. And I also have a lot of friends that have started uh, SIs. And so I network with, with them a lot. Um, you know, I'll just hit them up on a, a Google chat and uh, I'll ask them a question or they do the same to me. So the Salesforce ecosystem is incredible. Like I've built such great bonds with different folks 
that I've seen start with one or two folks just like I did, and now are running 30, 40, 50 person, you know, SI or PDO firms. Right. And you never took any external funding, like all of this has been organic and, you know, you know, like traditional business way, have some savings and then hire a new person and then go from there and not like pumping money and then going big. Or did you have some external funding? The only external funding that we have is from Salesforce Ventures. Okay. And um, yeah, right. and, uh, we're really uh, proud to be aligned with them. And nice. uh, they've been an awesome partner. Right, right. So what would be your tip to someone like myself starting in the Salesforce ecosystem or starting a company? What would be your top three tips? My, my top three tips would be um, talk a lot to customers, right? Uh, it's a journey and uh, it's a lot of fun. And the key thing is to try to talk to a lot of customers and find a problem that you're excited about and that you can focus in on and um, come iterate on it, C come back until they're willing to start cut checks and they say, I need this and then dive even deeper. Um, I've seen, and I've done this myself, um, where you get too excited about an idea and you do a lot of engineering around it and you think you're building the coolest thing in the world and it's a matter of building it and then everyone is gonna pay for it. And what I found is that you need to figure out how to build the smallest possible thing you can that someone's gonna pay for uh, and, or use that to learn what they really want and uh, keep, keep pivoting until you, you get there and then go really deep and, and own that problem. Be the world's expert on uh, that particular problem for customers in the Salesforce space. Right, right. Last tip on marketing. Like uh, you, you have been very successful with organic marketing. What would be your tip for marketing, especially for a startup? Use your network. You'll be surprised. Um, so, uh, yeah, we recently launched uh, Drive Connect, our, our, our product. It was a Salesforce Google Drive integration. And when I was trying to find initial pilot customers, uh, I leaned into LinkedIn. You know, just organically over the years, I've connected with a lot of people. And right. uh, we got a tremendous response just from a couple posts on, on LinkedIn. So build your, your network over time. Um, you know, maintain those list of, of emails, those, everyone you've ever kind of connected with from a customer perspective. Those are all folks to, to reach out, out to. Um, also, um, content. If you're going to focus on a specific niche, um, become an expert in it and, and write about it, uh, blog about it, uh, become a, a leader. Um, SEO is uh, very powerful. And so uh, I would suggest doing that. Um, but in general, for us, We've tried to do uh, a really good job in, in our space and then just use word of mouth and building a lot of relationships with Salesforce. And we don't spend a lot of money on, on marketing. Um, I've just generally had the mentality is if I wake up every day trying to be the best at the small little space that I'm focused on uh, and every customer ends up being happy, then people are going to come back to us. People are going to hear about it and I can keep building on that. That's also something I've said in this podcast before, but that's also my dad's advice. If you do good work, work will come to you. And I think one thing with Epiphany is like you were at the right place at the right time. Like people might say luck doesn't play, but I think if you keep working hard, you will end up at the right place at the right time. And I think you were at the right place at the right time, like in 2009, 10, as you mentioned, and then they started and, you know, so that also plays in a factor. Very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Any, any uh, entrepreneurs that you look up to for inspiration or any book that you would recommend to the listeners? A couple. Um, I really love Elon Musk. I love everything that he's doing. He's just a, a fun person to, 
to watch uh, his energy and, and the amount of different things that he's doing is pretty incredible. So um, that's someone I would say I definitely look up to. Uh, as far as books, um, there's a few books that we have uh, all our employees read when they start the company. One of them is Creativity Inc. Uh, it's about Pixar. I find it absolutely fascinating the way that they run that organization. Um, it's just It's got a great origin story. It, cro it crosses paths with Steve Jobs, right? Um, right. Every, everything there, the, the way that they think about producing the work, they'll shoot an entire movie and scrap it if it's not hitting the right emotional tones and connecting with the audience. And there's a lot of iteration, so that, that's great. The second one is um, extreme ownership. Uh, a big core of what we do is having employees really take ownership uh, about the work that they do and their experience at Epiphany. And uh, I think this that book uh, just does a great job of talking about ownership in like a, a context where it's like literally life and death um, that, you know, it's about folks taking ownership in the military. And uh, that that book really spoke to me. Nice. Yeah, I I just read uh, Bob Iger's uh, Ride of a Lifetime, um, you know, the CEO of Disney. I read that too. He, great yeah, book. and he mentioned like, yeah, great book. I finished it in two nights because I was just hooked to it, you know. And um, there he mentioned the whole Pixar and how he acquired Pixar, you know, his company with the jobs. And, and there I was like, man, I need to research more into Pixar. Recently, I was just, I came across Creativity Inc. And it's like bookmarked. Right now, I'm reading a little more books about sales and marketing. And I was like, <laughs> I need to come to this book. So it's funny that you mentioned it. And I had it in my like, like, it's in my basket, but I've not bought it yet. Because if I buy it, I'm not going to read the other books. Um, yeah. I think, uh, my last question to people usually is your favorite productivity habit, but I think you already mentioned you wake up and you plan your day in Trello. By the way, hats off to Trello. I'm a brick Trello fan too. Yeah, it's a phenomenal tool. I've been using it for a really long time. Right, right. I think Trello knows more about me than my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say the same, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank my you, wife, George. That... <laughs> right. I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> She was at some point. Yes. I hope so. Right, right. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, George. That was really, really amazing. I think also that was like after a long time, this is an episode that has hit right on time. Like we're just under 45 minutes. Um, how do people get in touch with you? Um, what are different ways? It's, it's simple. It's just uh, George at Epiphany, A-P-P-I-P-H-O-N-Y.com. And uh, yeah, just, just hit me up on email. I look forward to hearing from folks. Or on LinkedIn. All right. LinkedIn, so yeah. before we before we finish, I just have a quick rapid fire round. It's just to get you know a little bit more. All right. Are you ready? Right. Yep, I'm ready. So tea or coffee? Definitely coffee. Windows or Mac? Uh, definitely Mac. Everyone at Epiphany uses Macs. What is the first thing you install on a machine? Um, these days, I would say Evernote. Right. Your favorite beer? Oh, my favorite beer. Oh, um, Anchor Steam. Every time I used to go to Salesforce in San Francisco, I'd have an Anchor Steam. Right. Which city do you like to travel to for business? I would say San Francisco. Yeah, I really miss going out there and seeing everybody. As a business traveler, what's the best hotel chain for money? So I don't know what was the best one for money, but I've built enough Starwood points that uh, from a money perspective, that always seems to work out for me. Yeah. So. Okay. So which one is it? Starwood, um, okay. which actually was acquired by Marriott now, okay. right? So Starwood was like Weston, St. Regis. Um, okay, Weston. All, yeah. all of those, So we yeah. don't know Starwood here in Europe. I mean, I know Marriott uh, and I know Weston, but we don't have Starwood here yet. I don't think so. Um, American football or basketball? 
I would say football. Um, yeah, I'm a Bears fan. All right. Um, if you had a time machine, would you like to travel in the past or in the future? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I think I'd have to say, I think I'd have to say the future. Right. What is the best testimonial that a customer has left for you or for Epiphany? That's a good question. Um, you know, when they speak about the team, when they talk about like um, how much they like working with their team and how energetic and engaged they were, that's the stuff that warms my heart. Right. Best dream force and why? Oh, wow. Um, there's been so, so many. I've been going to Dreamforce since 2006. Wow. And, um, you are really yeah. an OG. Yeah. So, uh, and I've never missed one. Um, you know, obviously outside of when there hasn't been one because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. They've, they've all been, they've all been good. Um, I think I'll say it was the, the, a couple years back when both Foo, um, Foo Fighters and The Killers played. That was probably because those are two of my favorite bands. Uh, that was probably uh, my favorite Dreamforce. Last question. Can Apple be dethroned? No, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I, I think, um, yeah, they've, they've built a machine and they're very smart how they keep taking building blocks and they, they use it across many products. And I watched them this week and it was M1, M1, M1. And it's, you know, it's, it's in their, their Macs. It's, it's, uh, it's in their um, iPads. Um, they're very smart how they yeah. build one thing really great, and then they, they leverage that all over the place like a platform. Right. And I and I was imagining Intel people like crying because they're like, okay, so this is gone, I believe, because, you know, Apple was one of their biggest customers. So yeah. thank you, George. That was your time. It was really, really amazing. Uh, and it was really helpful for me to learn more about PDOs. Um, yeah. Thank you for taking time to talk to us today. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing this, Anka. It's such a, a great thing that you're doing. You're helping get information out to entrepreneurs. And uh, I'm sure people don't say it enough, but but thank you for investing so much time in this. Uh, it, thank it's you. A huge contribution to the ecosystem. Thanks. That's very kind of you. That's it for now, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this conversation, then you can also check out other episodes if you haven't done that already. If you have suggestions for a guest or a series, then please let me know and I would be more than happy to incorporate that. Please leave us a review on iTunes and share the podcast on your social media channels. Remember, sharing is caring. This is your host Ankit signing out. Bye-bye. Until next time.